All right, welcome to the Hoosier Pigskin Podcast. I'm your host, Jonas Maurer. Well, this week we'll try to pick up the pieces from Saturday's beatdown versus Iowa. We'll pick an upset and we'll dive into IU's game with Penn State this next Saturday. So the Iowa game recap, in case you didn't hear, IU loses to Iowa 42-16. to The Hoosiers fall to 4-3 and overall and Iowa improves to 5-1. and So yeah, I don't even know where to start here with this game. This was a pretty ugly game for the Hoosiers. They pretty much got manhandled in the trenches as the game went along. The snowball effect seemed to happen, in my opinion. Things just started getting out of control the longer the game went. Um, Things started out okay on the opening drive. IU drove down the field relatively easily, and then it kind of stalled down in the Iowa territory, and they had to settle for a field goal. But things started snowballing out of control pretty quickly after that. IU goes three and out on their next two possessions. Both of Iowa's two first two possessions, they score touchdowns on. So IU's down 14-3 to three going into the second quarter. And Iowa's on the move again. And then that's when kind of a bright spot came up for the Hoosiers. IU's Thomas Allen gets a huge interception. IU scores two plays later. A 33-yard pass to Ty Freifogel from... Peyton Ramsey and so now you're like yeah we're right back in this thing it's 14 to 10 let's get a stop let's get going and that's when a very IU football thing happened to IU it just seems like IU has these kind of things happen all the time in these kind of games so IU has scored the touchdown they're back in the game we're ready to roll and they kick off and the Iowa return man like let the ball bounce, then picked it up. He's like on the three-yard line. He almost gets tackled like two or three times at the five. And then he takes off and just goes off down the field, jumps over the kicker, and finally gets tackled out about the 38-yard line all the way in IU territory. He ran it for about 60 yards. So that was the first sequence of this drive. Then IU gets two stops on the run on two run plays and then it's third and five and the quarterback for Iowa takes the snap. He's almost sacked like three times. He's under all kinds of pressure, flips the ball up downfield and the running back who only had two catches all day makes an absolutely incredible, insane catch for a 22 yard pickup. And they score on the next play, 12-yard touchdown pass. And it was just like every ounce of momentum that IU had just gotten was just like completely poked out of them like instantly. And it was just like every play on the Iowa's responding drive was just like incredibly ridiculous, like barely happening, and they still make it happen. And that just... I just say that's an IU football thing to have happen to them because it just seems like that happens so often in these big games. So after that, Iowa ends up midway through the third quarter. They're going up 35-10, to 10, and this game is just a blowout. It just went downhill from there. 
and IU just was never in the game after that crazy t- uh, kickoff return and then crazy play on third down, and it just it just snowballed out of effect from there. So there's a lot of things you can point to in this game about what went wrong. Uh, penalties, IU had 10 penalties for 99 yards. However, an interesting note on that, Iowa actually had more. They had 11 penalties for 110 yards. I know if you were tracking the game or watching or listening to it, it didn't feel like that at all. It felt more like Iowa had one penalty for 11 yards, at least in my opinion. But Iowa actually was penalized more than IU was. So the other thing, I mean, you could point to getting completely out physical in this game, really in all phases, offensively, defensively, in the trenches, in the secondary. Iowa just played a tremendously more physical game than Indiana did. Another thing you could point to, just 5 of 12 on third down efficiencies, 0 of 2 on fourth down efficiencies. So that's not good enough. But what I want to take a look at here, and this goes back a little bit to next week, is points left on the field. First half, IU is down 21 to 10. They drive the ball from the 40 all the way down to the Iowa 28-yard line. They had a fourth and one. And I understand the psychology of going for it here. You're down, you know, it's a little bit longer of a field goal. And obviously, maybe you're thinking you don't win games kicking field goals. But this is still in the first half. And if you kick that field goal, it's a one-score game. It's 21-13. Obviously, you have to get the two-point conversion. But there's only 41 seconds left in the half, so you're not going to get the ball back. The chances of them scoring before the half are not very good. And you go into the half down one score instead of by two scores. Now you fast forward that to the second half. You're down 35-10. And we score a second touchdown. We go for two and we don't get it. So it's 35-16. Now you go back to the field goal that we didn't kick. If you kick that field goal, it's already 35-13 at that moment. Then you don't go for two, you kick the extra point, and it's 35-20. And now you're looking at a two-score game instead of a three-score game. So if you didn't get that, it was 35-10 to 10 when IU scored their second touchdown. But if they had kicked the field goal, it would have been 35-19. And if you just kicked the extra point instead of going for two and not getting it, 35-20 or two-score game instead of a three-score game. Iowa punted on their next possession. Indiana gets the ball. They drive all the way down to the six-yard line. They had a second and two, or I'm sorry, it was second down and two, yes, at the six-yard line. Now, I know Peyton Ramsey throws an interception on that play, but think about it. If you had kicked the field goal on that fourth and one, just gone for the extra point instead of the two-point conversion, now you're going into score to make this a one-score game instead of, if you score, it's still a two-score game. But because of the points you had left on the board when you... When you had scored before and didn't score the touchdown, you're still down two scores if they score a touchdown there. 
So I know it's not all black and white. It's not like we can just say, well, if you'd just done this, this, and this, you would have won the game. But I think when you're in the first half and you have a chance to be down just one score going into halftime, I think it's important that you go for the sure points instead of gambling slightly. And obviously it's a fourth and one. I know you you should be able to pick up a fourth and one. But still, you know you get the field goal. The half's almost over. You can make it a one-score game. I think that's the smartest thing to do. And instead, we saw this in the Ohio State game where they could have had a field Well, they missed a field goal in that game, missed a two-point conversion. It could have been a one-field goal game at one point, And instead, it was like nine score, nine points. And so I just think IU needs to work on getting the sure points. Because, as we saw on Saturday, when you don't take those sure points, you go for the gambles, and you don't get them, things just start spinning out of control, and eventually you're down so far, you don't even know which way is up. And so I think IU has an explosive enough offense that they can, you know, you've got to keep yourself in the game early because... If you find that you're down late, if you're still within one or two scores, IU has a chance to win the game. But when you're gambling in the first half and not getting it, now all of a sudden you get into the second half and you're down 35 to 10 and you feel like all is hopeless and it pretty much is. So that was the big takeaway I took from the missed opportunities for IU. Not going for those sure points earlier in the game, which still gives you... Maybe it's only a glimmer of a chance, but it's better than no chance at all when all of a sudden you're down 42 to 16. Maybe you're looking at a game that's more like 35 to 20 or 35 to 28 instead, and you feel like you're right there. So I think this game could have had a whole different feel if just a few plays go a little bit differently, which I know is crazy considering how how out physical Indiana got got in this game and how they just got punched in the mouth really from a physical standpoint. I think when you look at just a few decisions and a few plays, the interception at the goal line, not going for the field goal, this could have really been a completely different outcome, which is one reason why I think IU isn't maybe in as big a trouble as this score and just watching the game indicated. So... In my opinion, it's not surprising that they lost by that margin. Let's look at some of the numbers here. Um, Total yards, Iowa had 479. IU had 330. Passing yards, Iowa had 320 to Indiana's 263. Rushing, Iowa had 159 to just 67 yards for IU. That was five yards a carry for Iowa and just 2.7 for IU. So if we take a look back at what we said Indiana needed to do in this game to win, they did absolutely none of them. The number one thing we said was to limit big plays down the field in the passing game to those big tight ends. Obviously, if you watch this game, they did not do that at all. Multiple, I think they had three touchdowns to their tight ends, and several of them were big play touchdowns of of a lot of yards. 
And so they didn't do that. They We said stretch the ball, or I'm sorry, stretch the field, throw the ball deep. They didn't do that much at all. They did have the 33-yard pass to Ty Freifogel for a touchdown, but outside of that, they really did not throw the ball downfield much, deep downfield, similar to what they did in the Ohio State game. Special teams, they didn't win that. Obviously, the 60-yard kick return was kind of the main play that went Iowa's way, but you know that that return right there tips that tips that Iowa's direction, and so and then win the turnover battle. They didn't do that either. Two interceptions for Ramsey, just one for the QB for Iowa. So obviously, you can be in a game if maybe you only do two of the four things you need to do to win. But when you go 0 for 4 on everything that we laid out that you need to do to win, probably not going to win the game. So that was uh, another thing <laughs> that they kind of struggled in. All those, all those points they did not do well in and contributed to this loss. I think one positive thing again this week, though, was Peyton Ramsey. He was 31 of 42 passing for 263 yards and a touchdown. He did have the two interceptions. Um, my wife needed me to do a few things, so I was tracking the game with live stats, so I was not able to see how those interceptions went down or what happened there, uh, if they were just bad throws or if he was what was going on. But that, but overall, I mean, 31 of 42 is a pretty high passing rating, and 263 and a touchdown is not bad either. I think each week we see him continue to come and play well and lead the offense and really do a spectacular job. So I think Peyton Ramsey is one guy, even as the team has fluctuated up and down, he has still shown up every week and performed at a high level. So that's good. So this was definitely a disappointing loss and I hope IU is able to respond and put together a good showing on Saturday. They need to try to pick up the pieces. Again, as we explained, I don't think the score was maybe as indicative of of this game. Although, in one aspect, I think it definitely was. It definitely felt like IU got beat beat down. But I also think there was just some plays and decisions that could have gone another way. And this could have been a whole different ball game. So, looking ahead to the remainder of the season, I do think 7-5 and five is still a possibility but I wouldn't put six and six out of the picture by any means. Um, eight and four, I don't think. I just don't see them reaching that unless they are able to knock off Penn State this weekend. But um, they're gonna have to show us that they're capable of beating a good team like Penn State before we're gonna expect them to beat a good team like Penn State. So, yeah, I think they have definitely still opportunities to make a bowl game. But they're going to have to continue to improve and get better and play tougher football than they did on Saturday. So, all right, let's upset the apple cart. So, last week we had picked South Carolina to beat number 22, Texas A&M. A&M was, I believe, a four-point favorite, maybe three and a half points. But A&M did get the win 26-23. So, we are now four and two in our picks. This week, we are going with TCU. They're a seven-point underdog to Oklahoma. Oklahoma is 5-1. and one. They are ranked number nine in the country. TCU is 3-3. Three and three. They have lost three of their last four games, but we are picking the Horn Frogs to knock off the Sooners. 
So now we'll preview the Penn State game. Penn State is coming into this game four and two. IU is four and three. Penn State has wins against Appalachian State to open the season 45 to 38. They then beat Pittsburgh 51 to 6. They beat Kent State 63 to 10. And then they won at Illinois 63 to 24. This game actually against Illinois, they were down 24-21 about halfway through the third quarter. And then they were ahead 28-24 at the end of the third quarter and ended up in the fourth quarter beating Illinois 35-0 in the fourth quarter, ending the game on a 42-0 run to win that game 63-24. Since that game, they have since lost to Ohio State at home 27-26, and then they lost at home again to Michigan State just last Saturday 21-17. So this is a Penn State team that's coming in looking to right the ship and kind of find a new direction and see where they're at. So we all know Penn State is a very talented team. They're currently ranked number 18th in the country. And it really starts with their QB, Trace McSorley. He, this season, is 92 of 170 passing for 1,241 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 2 interceptions. However, I didn't realize he was only six feet tall. I thought he was a little bit bigger than that, but he's only six feet tall, but still an incredible talent. And he is only, however, though, completing 54% of his passes, and that's down about 10 to 12% from last year. So it looks like his passing has maybe dropped off a little bit. However, he's rushing for around 75 yards a game. He actually ran for 175 yards versus Ohio State. So incredibly lethal and dangerous with his legs. Definitely a force to be reckoned with. And as IU already knows from previous years, he is definitely not a quarterback to take lightly. He can kill you in so many aspects. And this is a team that runs the ball well. They are averaging 250 yards on the ground, so not just Trace McSorley, they're just overall a great running team. They have not ran for less than 200 yards this season, and that includes 206 and 205 yards respectively versus Ohio State and Michigan State. So they have tremendous, tremendous running game. They have a great passing game with McSorley. This is a very balanced offensive attack, and they have an incredible offensive line, obviously over 200 yards a game rushing. They have only given up 10 sacks all year, so it's not just in the rushing game, it's in the passing game as well. Looking at the running game outside of McSorley, they have uh, Miles Sanders is their is their guy leading the way there. He has 104 carries for 700 yards and 7 touchdowns. So he's averaging almost seven yards a carry, and he has over a touchdown per game. Trace McSorley, uh, he has 450 total yards on the ground. We mentioned how many per game he's averaging. They also have a freshman, Rick Slade. He has 26 carries for 155 yards and four touchdowns, but he appears to only be used 
in games that are not quite as important, uh, some of those blowouts early in the year. He did not see much action, if any, versus the the bigger names, the Ohio States and the Michigan States. So they pretty much just use Sanders and McSorley in the run game, unless they're in a pretty easy win like the Kent State game. Uh, Looking at their wide receiver core, they have several guys they utilize here. Their main guy looks to be number one, K.J. Hamier. He has 18 receptions for 374 yards and five touchdowns. He is only a 5'9 freshman, very quick, very fast, and he leads them in yards. It looks like they have several other freshmen that they have in this core that they use, including a big tight end that they really like. So this is a younger wide receiving core, but definitely a lot of talent there. But they are a little inexperienced. They do have a couple uh, upperclassmen. One guy that sticks out to keep an eye on for this game, I think, uh, maybe a sleeper to have a big game is Jawan Johnson, number 84. He's 6'4". He's a junior, and he has 19 catches for 221 yards and one touchdown. So it's a very young but very talented group of wide receivers. Definitely not just a couple guys that you can zone in on. They've got five or six guys here who can all catch the ball very capably. One thing to note here that I thought was interesting, they are not very good on third down efficiency though, which is kind of surprising when you have such a good offense with a good line. They are well below 50%, only converting about 30 to 35% of their third down conversions. So that'll be something to look for in this game with IU, how well IU can keep them under control on third down. So looking over at the defensive side of the ball, this is a very experienced, very good defense. The secondary, I believe, is their strength. They're very good against the run, but I would say they're even better against the pass. They have a very experienced secondary. Their safeties, number 17, Garrett Taylor, and number four, Nick Scott. They're a junior and a senior there. They combine for 63 tackles and two interceptions. They have a senior cornerback, 6'1", 203 pounds, number 21, Amani (laughs) Boy, this is a weird name to say, Aruare, Aruare, I don't know. 23 tackles, two interceptions, now that I've completely butchered his name. And so yeah, this is a very experienced defense and even more experienced secondary. They do have some Freshmen, they sprinkle in there who are talented, but very much experience dominating this defensive line. The linebacking core would maybe have a little bit more of the youth in this defense with the secondary and the D-line having a lot of the a lot of experience juniors and seniors on there. We mentioned Penn State offense on third down. They are holding their opponents, though, to even worse than that, holding their opponents to only about 25 to 30% third down conversions on the season. So that's definitely gonna be, again, looking forward to the IU game, IU being able to convert on those third downs because they have not done real well the last few weeks. They're giving up just 21 points per game. Compare that to IU who is giving up 28 points per game. So. Again, cannot stress enough how good this defense is. So let's take a look. What can IU do to win? Well, number one, first and foremost, it 
is contained Trace McSorley. You cannot let him make big plays with his legs. When you get pressure in the backfield, when you're getting around him, you've got to hold him. You've got to keep him in there. You've got to sack him. You've got to force him into an incomplete pass. We cannot let Trace McSorley, when the play is broken down, go off on a huge run or make a huge play in the passing game. Number two is on the offensive side of the ball. That's throw the ball downfield, stretch the defense. We saw that work so well versus Ohio State. They did not do that much at all versus Iowa. And we saw how good they can be when they do that versus Ohio State. And so throw the ball downfield. I know this is an experienced secondary, but I don't think throwing the ball short against them is going to help you any, any, any more than throwing the ball long. So Ramsey is a good decision maker. He does have maybe more interceptions than we'd like to see. But he throws the ball a lot, and I think that he's perfectly capable of stretching that defense. I think I is going to have to find number three. This is number three. I think I is going to have to find a way to run the ball. They have not been running the ball well the last few weeks, and it has showed up in the score. I think they need to do, they need to find a way that they can have success with Stevie Scott and Ronnie Walker running the football for positive yards on average. Number four, and I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but you've got to win the turnover battle. Anytime you're playing a ranked team, you can't lose the turnover battle and expect to win. I know I say that every week, but it's just as true every week. So, obviously, coming off the game, IU played on Saturday. There's probably not a lot of expectations for them going up against Penn State, which most people would say is an even better team than Iowa. And I think... That is a good thing. Here's why. This is a young team. And when you look at all the games this year where there was high expectation and energy about some about things looking really good, the Michigan State game looking to get to 4 and 0, the Iowa game, let's get to 5 and 2. These are good teams, but we think we can beat them. They have far underperformed. You could even argue the FIU game First game of the seasons, a lot of excitement, expectation. They didn't perform to the level that maybe they could have. On the flip side of that, look at games where there was little to no expectations, like when they went to Ohio State. No one was expecting them to compete at Ohio State, and they go in there and play a tremendous game. You could even say the Ball State game and the Rutgers game were similar. I know they had a clunker in the second half versus Rutgers, But when you look at games where the expectations are not super high, when there's not a lot of attention on them, they seem to perform much better than when when there's a lot of attention on this team. And I think maybe that has to do with with the youth and there being so much young, so many young players on this, on this roster. So there's, let's see here. So yeah, that being said, I do think there is a possibility for an upset here, and I think the recipe is there, but I don't really see it probably happening. I think IU has never has not proven that they can win these games yet, and until they do, we're probably not going to be picking too many upsets against them. So I do think Penn State probably ends up winning this game. I don't see... I just don't see Penn State losing three games in a row. So, But it will be interesting to see how they handle coming off back-to-back losses at home in Happy Valley. Not very happy in Happy Valley right now, I'm sure. 
So yeah, we do have Penn State picked. I think we'll probably our score prediction is thirty-one twenty-one. Predict uh, Penn State. Sorry. So. I think what we mainly want to see coming out of this game is IU just get back to playing good football, good, disciplined, solid football, get their mojo back, be playing with some strength and energy out there, and try to build headed into next week's game versus Minnesota. That's a game that IU has the ability to win if they can get things back on track. So, thanks for listening so much this week. We really appreciate it. And I just wanted to take a moment here at the end of the podcast to kind of go over the list of platforms that we are available on. I know I kind of throw out some this and that at the end of the podcast in the last few weeks, but I'm going to give you a complete list on where you can find us. So we are available on Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Podcast, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, PocketCast, and Radio Public. And then, as always, we are available on the Anchor Podcast app. That is our host platform. I noticed on Google Podcast that the one, the ep, one time an episode didn't come up for a couple days after we had posted it. So if you're having trouble, it's not coming out on Tuesday evening when we normally release the podcast, maybe check out the Anchor Podcast app and you can get us right away. So thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Once again, my name is Jonas Maurer. You can find me on Twitter at SirJonas22 if you have any questions or comments. We sometimes throw some comments and things up there during the game and and tweet out different links to IU football uh, articles and videos and things like that. So thanks again. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you all again next week.